Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine, on sale now. From the dirt tracks across Australia, welcome to Inside Speedway with Dennis Newman and Craig Revelle. Well, we start today's show with uh, sad news, Dennis, and the passing of Barry Pinchbeck. Uh, all through my childhood, in and around the speed cars, I my memories of Barry were in that canary yellow IPEC car that, uh, you know, he was just dominating at times with. But, of course, your memories would be of uh, that beautiful blue car that he ran through around the showground as much as the uh, yellow one. Yes, very, very sad passing this week and uh, our condolences to the friends and relatives and family of uh, the late, great Barry Pinchbeck. And, and yes, you are so right, Craig. That was his signature car. That's what made him a star. It was the ex-Billy uh, Humphreys um, Offenhauser that Billy brought to Australia in 1968. And, of course, when Barry Pinchbeck took over the driving, um, he he instantly started to find his feet. He, he, he really, really did achieve in that particular car. Um, he replaced Lou Marshall behind the wheel. And, and Pinchbeck, really, I think his career completely turned around when he joined the ranks of the Eastern States Racing Association and, and had some great victories. And just might I say, just uh, talking about that particular car, and we'll go on and talk more about Barry's great career, but... I guess uh, of, of all of the victories uh, that he's achieved, one one that really stands out was uh, in February 1971 at the Sydney Showground when he took out the Craven Fielder National Speed Car Drivers Championship Grand Final. Now, the, the victory um, was probably best remembered for the fact that halfway through the race, a torrential rainstorm the rain just pelted down on the on the hallowed Sydney showground, and uh, Barry uh, they never stopped the race, which was incredible. And uh, Barry won the grand final and probably crossed the finish line doing all of 20 kilometres an hour, and one of his great victories. But um, I guess when you're looking at great victories from Barry Pinchbeck, I, I think a couple of things really come to mind here, Craig. Um, probably uh, of, of all the great successes that he's had his domination of the New South Wales Speedcar Championship is very, very significant in his great career. Now, he took out his first title in 1974, and that was at the Sydney Showground, but what is more important, he then, a few years later, went on an incredible winning run. Uh, he won in 1977, 1978, 1979, 1980, and 1981. So he won five in a row, five consecutive state titles. All were uh, at Liverpool City Raceway, and I guess it was a uh, it was uh, the the era that he was in. He was one of the top drivers in Australia, and that all came together to become official during the 1979-80 season when he um, took out the Australian Speed Car Championship, the 1979-80 season. So, yes, Barry Pinchbeck, a, a great driver, um, 
his his earlier years, of course, uh, he did he did he did laps around the the uh, Windsor Speedway, and then, as I said, joined the ranks in later years with the Eastern States Racing Association and became an absolute standout star. He really was. Mm. Yeah, I definitely uh, remember that uh, that yellow number one that Barry got to drive that, uh, what was it, year? Would have been, uh, well, the 1980-81 season because you normally win the you win the title so late in the season, yep. you you don't get much of a chance. And back in the days yep. when you painted the car, it took a bit longer to get the uh, panels all painted. Now it's just stickers, isn't it? But we <laughs> yeah. uh, move, You're right. moving yeah. from Barry Pinchbeck. And in, in later shows, we're going to talk probably a bit more about Barry and his career, I'm sure. But we are going to look forward. And uh, we're speaking with Speedway Australia's Tim Savile. It's uh, an interesting conversation when you speak to the head of the peak body that represents a sport. Yes, I'm particularly looking forward to this interview, um, Craig. I know you and I, we've, we've got some uh, very, very um, significant and, and poignant questions to ask him relating to uh, the national controlling body of our sport, where it's headed. Uh, also, we'll talk about uh, the, the new speedway, um, that is proposed for Eastern Creek. So there's a lot of ground to cover and really looking forward to speaking with the general manager of Speedway Australia, Tim Savile. Yep, looking forward to that. So Tim Savile up here on Inside Speedway after the break. Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics magazine on sale now. Well, it's great to have the head of Speedways Australia on the line. Tim Savile, it's a very challenging time for everyone involved in Speedway and I imagine when you're trying to coordinate an effort across uh, such a, uh, well, a diverse group of uh, organisations, you're right in the middle of things. Yeah, hi Craig, thanks, thanks for having me. And yes, it certainly is a challenging time for the sport as a whole and you know, I guess that's what you have a, a body like Speedway Australia for is to step up in times like this and make sure that, you know, when we can get back going again as a sport, we're in a fine position to pick up and, and carry on from where we left off. And that's, I guess, what we are trying to do at the moment is use this time productively to, to you know, roll out some initiatives and, and make sure we can help track to get back on their feet when they get the chance to do so and provide places for people to race. And, How has your office been able to manage it in the first instance and how have you had to restructure how you do business? Well, we're sort of, as a sport, we've been a, quite a bit luckier in the main than, say, rugby league or AFL and things like that, mainly because it's not the start of our season. I mean, it is for the, there's about 18 tracks to run over winter up north where we're about to kick off, you know, and their seasons are pretty much on hold permanently, but for, you know, the 80% of tracks in the southern part of the country that were sort of a good way through the portion of their season hasn't been as bad as it could have been. So from Speedway Australia's perspective, we've, all, we've also had a lot of issues around our head office with getting NBN in there. So our phone system's been on and off for the last few months as well. So we've sort of had to get organised from a prep perspective. We've been sort of used to having intermittent signal and, and 
know, having had some people working from out of the office anyway. So really we were sort of quite lucky in terms of the impact wasn't as bad as it could have been and now we've just pivoted to everyone working from home and, you know, doing, I guess, a plan of action around what we can do to prepare for, you know, when things start again. So obviously you're not, you know, doing life things all day, every day like you used to be. So you get the people that we're licensing to be doing some of the other tasks and initiatives that, that we want to, one, keep going and two, start, start to roll out. So, you know, as I say, lucky, lucky from a timing perspective for, for Speedway compared to other sports, but certainly not optimal either. Tim, um, Speedway Australia, it's it's um, going along nicely at the moment and, and how many um, years have you been in the chair now as general manager? Uh, almost four and a half, would you believe? So late 2015, I stepped uh, to this chair. And, I mean, it feels like yesterday, but yeah, that's, that's, in reality, it's getting towards half a decade. What do you feel? I mean, when you came in to where you're at now, and and the whole of the organisation as Speedway Australia, what, what are some of the significant uh, achievements on the national scene that you've incorporated into the running of Australian Speedway? Well, I think one of the things we've tried to do is, is you know, roll out, I guess, initiatives that are of benefit to everybody. So, you know, some things we've looked at over the last few years are about, say, you know, retention of officials. So getting, we have tracks that can't run race meetings because they don't have officials. And it's one of the things that we used to have, for example, is a $160 officials license. Well, through cost savings and things like that, we've managed to get an official license down to $25 for the year. Um, and, we, and we've publicly stated we want to get that towards you know, zero. So by doing things like that and, and our training officials nationally, sort of national officials training program, you know, that, that's providing value across the country in terms of the people that are needed to put on a race meeting. Um, we've managed to keep competitive beats unchanged now for, for five or six years as well. So we've rolled out the stuff that we've been doing without having to pass on um, costs to, to competitors. We've, one of the things that has sort of, uh, it's not necessarily out there in, in front of the public for all, but the public liability cost that tracks pay is a lot cheaper than it was five years ago. Um, and that's mainly due to the great work that tracks are doing to reduce public liability claims. Um, we inspect tracks now on a regular basis and try and give them, um, you know, I guess help in terms of upgrading their facility and what they need to do even safer. Um, we have track safety grants, um, say $70,000 last year that we're putting back into safety. So I guess what we're trying to say from Speedway Australia's perspective is get our core task right, which is the, you know, the licensing, the insurance, the safety side of things. You know, if we get those in order, then you can start to roll out into the other things that you need to do you know, as a sport to, to progress, but you've got to get your fundamentals right. Yes. So really a back-to-basic yes. approach for the last few years so that we can keep the sport ticking over and get ready to launch, I suppose. How many tracks, Tim, currently are under the umbrella of Speedway Australia? So there's just under 90 um, around the country um, in every state and territory, obviously. But, yeah, probably more than people... Think if they, if they were to guess, you know how many how many tracks are out there. There's, there's pretty much every you know major town, and then you know some smaller centres 
do have still a fully functioning speedway track. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of good stuff going on around the country, which is one of the things we're doing this week, for example, while we've got a bit of time, is starting to share some of the success stories that some of the venues that have, you know, upgraded themselves, modernised, um, improved, and how it's gone about doing that. So, you know, we can share some of the good news that, that's going on um, in places that, you know, people may not be aware of. Everyone sort of understands, you know, there's the big, the big tracks and there's the tracks near there. South are the ones they travel to, but in reality, there's actually a, a huge amount of venues well, um, around the country that are doing yes, some well, stuff. Yeah. Yes, exactly, Tim. And, and you and your personnel get to visit all of these tracks over a period of time, a season or 12 months. What sort of a grading program do you put in place or stipulate to have the top level track, the next level, etc.? What What are the main requirements you look for, Tim? Yeah, so we have a, a five-star track grading process. Um, obviously, five-star being the best and, and, and one-star. Uh, a one-star track, for example, can run all of the scan grades. Um, that we have, whereas you know to run open wheelers and then to get into sprint cars, you need to have a higher spec track. So that's around um, the concrete wall, the wire ropes, the poles, the mesh netting to track debris and, and play things like that. So that's the state. The, the five star rating is basically a rating of the, the safety fence and the crack control fence. Um, a lot of the other things that we look at at a track inspection are around public liability risk. In other words, you get a public liability claim if someone trips over, you know, and breaks their ankle or something like that. You know, you hear stories someone slipping on a grape in coals and getting a three hundred thousand dollar payout. Well, you know, that's that's legit and that happens uh, at, at speedway venues. So you're trying to make, for example, the, the flooring and amenity areas non slip and this kind of thing, you're looking for all those details, whether there's good quality handrails. Uh, because over time, over, say, 20 years of data, you see that a good portion of public liability claims aren't what you'd expect them to be at a speedway venue. That, you know, say, people falling over, people falling down the hill on chewy night. Um, it's not all just cars flying into the crowd and, and bits and pieces like that. But, but, you know, and this is where the sport in, in the past has come unstuck through, you know, public liability claims, getting out of hand in the sport, having to pay too much and not being able to afford the insurance. So that's why we're out there every year or every two years, um, seeing how venues are getting on with improvement or all that kind of thing. But basically, to get back to your question, so, so a three-star track is the minimum required to run a full field of sprint cars, for example. Um, a a one-star track is, is what you need to run, you know, the sedan-type class. Around as well. Now, Tim, when we're talking about relationships in Speedway, one that's been a tumultuous relationship right from the get-go is that one between Motorsport Australia and Speedway, not just Speedway Australia, but Speedway in general. How is that relationship going, uh, understanding their role in motorsport and now having taken, and of course we're talking about cams for people who don't know about yep. the change this year, um, and them now taking this moniker of Motorsport Australia, which is a much larger name, and you would normally expect to encompass all motorsport. Look, we have a really good relationship with Motorsport Australia, probably better than most people think. Uh, for example, in Sydney, our office 
is in the New South Wales Sports South and, and Motorsport Australia is in there too. Um, we work together on things like the Hall of Fame, um, some bushfire initiatives and stuff. So look, we, we recognise their right to do what they do and, and they recognise our right to do what we do as sport. Um, and yeah, the relationship's actually quite good. They've got no gains on expanding their portfolio, you know, to take over Speedway. That's not just because it's not their thing. You know, they've got their hands all doing what they do and, and obviously we've got our hands all doing what, what we do. So the relationship with CAMS and Motorsport Australia is probably about the same as with Motorcycle in Australia. So we obviously have to work in with them too. There's some tracks that run both cars and bikes. Um, some on the same night, uh, and we've got a good relationship with them too. So, uh, despite what people might think, yeah, we, we, I guess, respect each other's boundaries. They get on with their thing, and and Speedway gets on with its thing. So it's, it's really quite uh, productive, to be honest. And when you look at uh, what you're doing in the Speedway, uh, in the Speedway sphere, one of the other things is where does Speedway Australia cross over? with uh, divisions and recognition of divisions because uh, it's long been joked that as soon as three people don't like the way the division's going, they put a wing on or they change a right rear and call themselves something else. Yeah, one of the things that happened about 10 years ago before my time at Speedway Australia put into place a really good uh, process around approving new divisions because at that time there were about 120 on the books. Uh, I think we're down to 76 now through natural attrition, but it's really hard now to get uh, approval to, to do what you've just described. Um, I mean, I've been pretty open about this. In my time, we're up to now 34 requests for new divisions. So that's in, in four and a half years. We have approved one of those requests. Um, that was for, for outlaw cars, um, which is sufficiently different to anything else out there um, to, to be approved. So, yeah, look, we know, I think everyone understands that the 37 sedan divisions, for example, is uh, if you were starting out fresh, you probably wouldn't have 37 sedan divisions. Um, but, but that's what we've got, and, and we recognise and, and try and work with all those groups that, that run those divisions. Uh, but are, are we happy to go from, say, 37 to 50? Well, I think, no, the answer is, you know, you, you work towards strength and numbers and, and working on a national basis with a lot of these things because it's, you know, better for everyone to do that. So the days of someone, um, you know, falling out with someone else and, and, you know, setting up a division for political reasons rather than for, you know, it's a good idea technically are long gone, you'd like to think. Tim, um, you being a man from New Zealand would know only too well uh, the role speedway bike racing has played in Australasia and the world for that matter. Uh, your working relationship with Motorcycling Australia, where is it at at the moment and would you like to become more involved in the bike scene without necessarily not taking it away from Motorcycling Australia? But the point of it is Australian Speedway is cars and bikes and your 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 organisation is, is predominantly a, a car-oriented national governing body, 
but I do know you, you, you have worked with Motorcycling Australia already in the past. Where do you see that going into the future? A closer amalgamation or Speedway Australia even becoming more involved in the, in the actual bike scene as well? Well, I think we certainly you know, respect their, their mandate, which they have through the FIM, um, and you know, work with them for a number of reasons. I mean, firstly, you know, we're, we're running at the same tracks. Our DNA is, is, you know, we evolved from, from bike speedway. And from my perspective, when I was at Speedway New Zealand, they are in charge of cars and bikes, so they've got an agreement with, with Motorcycle New Zealand to be in charge of bike speedway. So it is all under the one umbrella. So, yeah, from my perspective, you know, that, that's what I was used to. Um, but having said that, look, I guess we probably treat, to some extent, Motorcycling Australia almost like one of our divisional bodies. You know, we, we listen to them, we try and work with them. Um, something that's good for them is probably good for, for car speedway. So, you know, in terms of the relationship, it's it's good and, it, and it's only going to get better. And I think, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there to do the right thing by both sides of the sport because it's best for everybody. Um, yeah, it, it, it's something that, when I started, it was sort of a bit of a um, urban myth to some extent that you couldn't run cars and bikes together. Um, you know, at a speedway meeting, we, we can, and, and we've certainly tried to encourage that where it works, and it does work. Places like you know Pioneer Park in Queensland and Wyala in South Australia, Perth Motor Kit has done this thing. Um, there's a lot of speedway carts running at, at motorcycle tracks, so I, I would hope that the relationship just gets stronger and stronger and. and you know, we'd love to keep working with them. You mentioned a track there, Pioneer Park at Air in North Queensland. I've been there many times over the years, and what a superb speedway bike track that is. And and uh, we've seen Australian solo championships run there over the years. Billy Sanders in 1985, uh, the late great Billy Sanders won the Australian title there. It's a f- fabulous venue. So we can see the role bikes play in Australian speedway, which changing the tack now, our proposed new track in Sydney. I know, Tim, you're, you're working with a lot of people involved. A couple of questions. Where is all that at at the moment? Where is it heading? And do you see this as a, a twin track complex to bring bikes back into the Sydney scene successfully? Oh, look, that, you know, that was the original discussions uh, right back at the get-go, which was about October, um, was around the fact that, you know, there, there is room... At a, at a venue uh, to have cars and bikes there. It's, it's you know, done successfully in a lot of places. And, and if you're trying to, I mean, one, one of the issues with the current Belvoline Raceway is the number of nights a year that they're allowed to run. Um, and, you know, when, every time I've been out to Eastern Creek since all this broke, there's, I mean, it's probably not like that now with the COVID situation, but, you know, there's been drag cars running, there's been uh, tarmac stuff happening on the Eastern Creek circuit you know, seven days a week. So the opportunity for Speedway at that complex seems to me like you'll be able to run more than 40, you know, nights a year. Uh, so, you know, why wouldn't you look at other things that can be run at that track? And, I mean, a bike track isn't just for bikes, it's also for carts, it's for vintage, you know, vintage speed cars and, and things like that prefer a, a bike surface. So it, it just seems natural that you would certainly try and plan for that if you are starting in an empty paddock, which is pretty much what is happening. And, hey, it might not pan out. It might not work from a, a you 
practical perspective, but it might. So if you plan uh, as a best case scenario that it, that it may occur, then you know fingers crossed it, it will happen. But you know you think I mean I'm aware that there hasn't been regular motorcycle speedway in Sydney since 1982. But on the other hand, you've also got you know vintage speed cars and things like that towing five and a half hours down to Illabo to have a run as well. So you know a, a bike surface at the venue seems like it would be extremely useful if you're trying to grow the sport in Sydney. Tim, can can you give us an update where everything is at at the moment, working with the government uh, with this proposed new track? What what is the latest on the on the developments, and where is it where is it at at this stage? Yeah, sorry, you did ask that question, and I didn't answer it. Um, look, it's it's in the. I mean, they released a uh, a scoping document a, a couple of weeks ago, which indicated where they were in the in the planning process. Um, so I guess that's ongoing. They've got a team of people full time on this, um, and they've certainly, I think, planned to uh, be true to their word in terms of getting it all delivered. Um, you know, for the start of the twenty one twenty two season. So uh, where, where it's at, I mean, that, that's I guess it's making its way through the, the government system. But I guess the, the good thing about what they've stated is, that, you know, there's an opportunity coming up soon for public consultation on. I guess the design that they, they finalise, um, which at the moment is, is not complete, from what I understand, and, and, and won't be for a little while. But yeah, they've released the scoping document, which had a lot of the environmental impact uh, type information that, that they are legally required to do. And yeah, the next step, I suppose, is, is finalising a design that, that we all have input into, you know, as, as part of that process, which is great. I mean, from a planning perspective, it's treated as a item of state significance, which does enable things to rattle along a little bit quicker than trying to get an extension on your on your back deck or something like that, which which by all accounts can take a while to wind its way through the, the red tape. They're planning to do this a lot swifter. Um, and, I, and I guess without knowing too much of the detail uh, from a, I guess, the, you know, one of the issues around the build is that there's a drag strip next door and which was planning to be operating, which uh, so I'm, I'm assuming at the moment it's not operating. So I guess that means they're able to get out on site and do things maybe even faster than they hoped to with the current situation. So look, it's all been positive so far, I think, and, and you know people can draw their own conclusions because they've released a you know a massive amount of information. Um, and I guess they're just going to keep working on that on that plan, and, and you know we all want it to be as good as it can be for the long-term future of Speedway. And, and that's, I guess, the best thing about that site. You know, it's, it's, there's no curfew. There's other motorsports around. There's a rubbish dump on the other side, which, you know, has its challenges, but means that there's not going to be apartment complexes popping up anytime soon. Um, so, you know, it gives a bit of hope that, that Speedway will be around a very long period of time. Well, we want to see that in Sydney, most definitely, Tim. I know it's a step-by-step -step process here, but what assurances have you been given that there will not be an interruption with the closure of Valvoline Raceway uh, after uh, June 30, 2021, and the new season a few months later at the new venue, that it will be a smooth transition? Oh, look, if you, you do a bit of Googling and YouTubing and things like that, you can see numerous 
quotes and, and undertakings from Andrew Constance, the Transport Minister, and Jeffrey, the Force Minister, um, that they intend to meet their time frames. And uh, I guess my experience from other venues getting built, um, I, I guess, uh, I mean, the Motorplex um, is one where I think it ends up delaying a little bit, but the build time itself is only probably seven or eight months. That, that's based on uh, Bay Park in New Zealand, which is the most recent track built over there, and it, it took eight months to build, but it's the planning process took five years. Um, that's the bit that really is the key, and that's what's happening now, and, and by making it a state-significant development, you know, hopefully uh, that means they can meet these time frames. But, yeah, in terms of other governments serious about building this as well, you know, they've made that many public commitments about all this that, um, you know, that they're really going to be in in all sorts of trouble from a uh, electoral perspective if they're going to backtrack. And as I say, when they've got staff working full time on this and that they're meeting their time frames for the environmental side of things and they've got a plan in place, then, you know, you're, you're, yes, there's an element of trust, but you'd hope that, you know, they're, they're true to their word and, and to this point, you know, that they have been. It would be one of the first times, Tim, in your five years at the helm that you've had uh, these sort of issues, Speedway, brought up at Senate Estimates Committees and uh, really starting to drill down on ministers to uh, put the asset on them to make sure it's delivered. Oh, look, this is, you know, this will be the biggest investment by government in Speedway anywhere in the world. Um, there's, there's no doubt about it. So it's uncharted waters for everybody. You know, there's, there's just... The most recent track in Australia was, was Heartland Raceway in Moana in 2005 that, that you know, Dave Roberts uh, put together. He, he's, you know, and, then, and the Motorplex um, in, in Perth. There's just not a lot of this stuff gone on in the past, um, you know, in the, I guess in the, in the recent time frames of, of people who are um, working in government now and that kind of thing. So everyone's sort of learning as they go uh, on this, but as I say, to this point in time, you know, and well, you can all, I assume everyone who, who's listening to this has probably had a look around and, and had a look at the 100-page scoping document that they've released, which indicates that, you know, they're being very thorough in what they're attempting to do and they're determined to build something on time under, under budget and probably from their perspective before the next election. Um, that, that's a win for Speedway if, if they're dead set trying to achieve that. Tim, just changing the topic slightly, is is a time like this where you are having to go through and redefine roles and move licensing to other things, is this an opportunity now to really look at an education program and developing schools and, and information about even the history of Speedway to be able to then move out into schools? Because it's getting them in young. There's always been a, a, a joke that uh, Speedway is a, it's a dying breed of fan. Is that something that you were able to do as the head body for Speedway across Australia? Well, I think from our perspective, really, we've, we've spent a lot of time getting our fundamentals in order so that you can do that. But, for example, one of the things we announced a couple of weeks ago was listening to Kids to Grids program, which is a junior training program for anyone, you know, any, any child getting involved in the sport, whether it's junior stands or junior forms of hundreds or, or carts quarter midgets, etc. And that's on the back of uh, the training program that we started for officials last year. Um, we've got a couple more planks in our training program 
um, being safety training and then uh, venue operator training that we want to get underway first. So I guess what I'm saying is that our, we believe our, our role as Speedway Australia is to get the fundamentals right. We're not promoters as such. We're not out there promoting race meetings, you know, and putting our uh, capital on the line in that regard. Um, so we certainly support venue operators, you know, as best we can when they're doing all those kind of things. But really, you've got to get your house in order in order to have a product that's attractive for, you know, new people to get involved in and, and, and those kind of things. So, you know, we believe we've had to get sort of back to basics. You know, we've been going for almost 100 years and we haven't had a, a one national officials training program, you know, till a few months ago, for example. And, and a, you know, low-quality officiating is the kind of thing that turns drives off or concerned fans off and that kind of thing. So, you know, you've got to do all those basics right in order to have a product that, that people, when they come along, if you manage to attract them, you want to make them, you know, enjoy it so that they want to come back. So really, yes, getting our fundamentals right has been our first process and something that we've focused on and will be for a little bit longer um, and, and letting the, the venue operators and the clubs that are promoting tracks, you know, do their thing. So I guess in summary, we try to do a lot of the stuff in the back room and the back end for them so they can get out there and do what they do best. That's really probably our mission summed up in a sentence. Uh, just going to say one one final question for you, Tim. I think probably one of the uh, achievements of Speedway Australia over the years is uh, the, the, the control and operation of World Series sprint cars. And, of course, I think the grand final has become the jewel in the crown uh, held at the magnificent Perth Motorplex, uh, Tim. What what a great night of two nights of racing that is, and and sanctioned through Speedway Australia. That's got to be one of the highlights of Speedway Australia each season. The World Series Sprint Cars, particularly the Grand Final at the Perth Motorplex. Yeah, look, the, the racing of in World Series is as good as it's ever been. You know, the the quality of the cars, um, the professionalism of the teams. Um, and, and, you know, what, what the tracks are doing to put on that show. We had, you know, numerous venues this year with, with record crowd numbers. Um, but yeah, the, the grand final was an, is an awesome spectacle in itself and it's a great way to, to finish the series. You know, the Motorplex, um, put everything into it. And, you know, the last couple of years it's been a tight race to the finish, which, which has added to it. But yeah, I mean, we're certainly, uh, World Series was, I guess, to some extent, all that Speedway Australia was perceived to be for quite a while, whereas now we try and do World Series and a whole load of other things too, um, so that you know we, we get value to everybody. And I think that's sort of been vindicated by the fact that we have got venues falling over themselves to try and line up and get involved in World Series, where it hasn't always been like that. Um, so, yeah, is, is World Series working? Yes, it definitely is. I mean, the, the sprint car racing has been phenomenal. Not not just there, obviously, but, but it, you know, most nights. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly been delivering on and off the track for the last couple of years, at least, which, which has been our goal. Um, and, and, you know, obviously we've got big plans for next season too that we're just finalising now so we can, you know, get that information out and get people... Uh, looking forward to it and having something to, to think about and, and, you know, when we get out of the situation we're in, 
there'll be some good positive stuff happening that they can look forward to getting involved in next summer. Well, Tim Savile, head of Speedway Australia, it's been a pleasure having you here on Inside Speedway with uh, Dennis and myself. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Well, Dennis, an interesting view from the top of Speedway in Australia and uh, thanks to Tim Savile for giving us so much of his time in what is a very difficult time for all sports when you you consider, you listen to what National Rugby League and the the, uh, AFL are going through. Rugby Union, if you follow that, Dennis, they are tearing themselves apart, you know, you... Yes, you really yes. have to wonder what rugby's doing. They're already a marginal sport to start with, and the way they're uh, carrying on now, they're not going to win too many more supporters. Oh, you're, you're certainly right there. You know, one thing with Tim Savile, I've got to say this, of course, you know, uh, it doesn't matter what particular sport it is, uh, the administration of that particular sport, you always have people who criticise. Uh, there's always people who say they should have done this or they should have done that or they should have done it better. And so that's that's just the way we are. That's, that's human nature. It seems more predominant in some sports, and I put Speedway in that category, unfortunately. Um, but... I think Tim Savile has shown that he's guiding the sport. He's 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 knows the incredible responsibility to get things right. He is aware of that, and um, I think he said some very very poignant things, Craig. I think he, he's probably answered a few of the, shall we say, critics out there. Um, I think he, he came up with some very relevant answers. Yeah, and importantly, uh, dispersed a few myths as well, which is always. Uh always good because there's a lot of stuff out there in the ether which uh, he's put to bed now too which is always important one of the good things we get to do on this show exactly always enjoy it and um and and i really do appreciate tim savile coming on our show i know he's a very very busy man and we had to do a bit of planning to get him on the show and, and we thank him for that in upcoming shows dennis we'll have the track champion at the motorplex Kai Blight, and it'll be interesting to find out a bit more about that young man. Yeah, maybe a name that's not widely known nationally, but um, he certainly got the job done last season, at um, or, or this season before it was all terminated through COVID-19, uh, the coronavirus, but um, he is the track champion, and um, looking forward to talking with him, Craig. Until next time round, Dennis, always a pleasure to catch up with you here on Inside Speedway. Yeah, likewise, Craig. Thanks very much. Tune in next week for more on Inside Speedway. Inside Speedway is produced by Thunder Media. Any reproduction, accounts, or descriptions of the program without written permission from Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine, on sale now.